Hey legends, I'm Eliza Lee and you're listening to The Making of an Incredible MD, the podcast for aspiring medical professionals. Each week, we'll bring in a current MD student and a practicing physician to talk about an important topic in the medical field. From the effects of climate change to the influence of social media on our health, we'll uncover a maze of different perspectives and end each episode with an ethical dilemma for us all to consider. Stay tuned as we literally hear the making of these incredible MDs unfold right before our ears. I'm so excited to introduce you all to Hannah, an old friend who goes way back to the Jaffe days, and it's amazing to see her doing what she loves now. Hannah is an MD2 student at University of Melbourne and currently on rural placement in Wangaratta. As previous co-convener of an epic global health conference called Change Unzipped, she's the best ball of energy to shed some light on the topic of climate change and the effects on global health. Well, thank you so much for joining us on episode on climate change and its effects on global health. I know we've been on several global health sort of platforms together on for the years coming, so it's definitely a big part of your life and a big part of your passion. So I'll let you introduce yourself and sort of where you are at now in your journey. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to like speak about a topic I'm really excited about. As you already mentioned, like you and I first met through the Melbourne University Health Initiative through the Material Aid Program. So over the years, I've been involved in that for the last three, maybe four years. Um, Started off as a project officer there and then was program coordinator for it. And that involved um, taking surplus supplies from hospitals, clinics, laboratories around metro Melbourne and shipping them off to countries that were under-resourced and health organisations that really needed it. So I guess that was my first sort of little dip into making like tangible change in terms of like reducing environmental waste and making sure that it really makes a difference in health communities. But since then I've done A few little bits and bobs here and there. I co-convened Change Unzipped, which was a global health conference inviting people from all types of different disciplines, currently at a tertiary institution in Victoria, to come just like find out what global health is about. And yeah, education is something I've always been really passionate about and hopefully will continue um, doing into the future. And yeah, right now I... And second year at Melbourne Uni, I'm currently based in regional Victoria in Wangaratta and loving life here. And yeah, just try and do my little bits here and there to help the environment. Work out how to be a student on a student budget, you know, that's me. Yeah, that's awesome. I love how you bring up, yeah, we were doing the material aid program together at one point. And um, even though it, it sounds definitely like it makes sense, like, you know, putting surplus supplies in, in areas that are super under-resourced, like, I don't think people understand how hard of a process that actually is to, like, execute. But I guess today's topic is all about, so climate change, an absolute massive phenomenon, phenomenon obviously, affecting the world. We hear about the rainforest, the oceans, the carbon emissions. Um, but what I think doesn't get enough airtime is the effects of climate change on global health problems. So what are the major concerns currently from the health community about the impacts of um, climate change? Big question. The way I like to think about it is I don't necessarily think that um, you can separate health at all from climate change. I think it affects every single person, whether we like it or not. And it really does both directly and indirectly affect Um, our own personal health and the way that our communities function. So um, if we're talking about like direct effects on health, we're talking about 
you know, more extreme weather conditions, heat waves, storms, fires, floods. And, you know, you've already seen, we've already seen that this year with all the Australian bushfires across Gippsland and mm. New South Wales. It was horrific. And even that in itself displaced so many people. And there are so many communities still trying to build their communities back up to scratch. And that in itself causes a lot of mental stress and also a lot of stress on resources, including um, access to healthcare. And, you know, if we're looking at developing countries where they're experiencing um, extreme weather conditions like extreme heat waves or flooding, which we haven't seen, which is just increasing over the years, those countries that don't have access to like good healthcare the most vulnerable vulnerable communities are being affected by it. We've got our elderly people that are passing away because of these weather conditions. And that's, that's really horrific. Um, and then I guess like the more indirect aspect of it is looking at the, the effect on economic and social systems. So if you think about it, you know, you have environmental changes. So like you mentioned, cutting down rainforests, our oceans, like ocean acidification, more carbon emissions, and that in turn affects, you know, access to how we can fish for food, how we can create, grow food off the land. And when you have food shortages, that leads to political unrest. And when you have political unrest, obviously that leads to mass movement of individuals who can no longer, who no longer feel safe in their communities. And then that leads to mass migration, which in itself causes a lot of issues when you've got these cramped camps, you've got people that um, don't have a secure income, don't have secure access to healthcare, and and it's just a flow-on effect from there. So yeah, it it really affects us in all sorts of ways. Not to mention, um, you know, increasing in the number of infections that, um, especially like vector-borne diseases like malaria, that spread because that spread because of the change in weather conditions, undernutrition. We've got a lot of like respiratory diseases that are um, popping up now because of the increase in carbon emissions. And the reality is like, it's the most vulnerable communities that are going to be affected the most, those under-resourced countries, but we can't underestimate the effect that it does have on ourselves here in um, well-resourced countries like Australia. Yeah, and definitely sort of going off the back of that here being in Australia, you know, you're in placement in rural placement in Wangaratta now and having been able to see, I guess, in contrast the difference. I guess specific to a, you know, the medical field itself, being a medical student out there, um, what are maybe some of the climate issues that are happening that are directly sort of um, correlating to the present presentations in um, placement or in hospital or whatnot? Yeah, really good question. A lot of the patients that we see here in regional Wangaratta obviously come from a huge catchment, like not just within Wangaratta, from a lot of other regional towns that often, you know, their closest hospital is two-hour drive. And a lot of these people I talk to do work in the agriculture industry. So they're the ones that, you know, growing the crops and um, feeding the cattle that are supplying um, not only like our country community, but over in the city. And you know, their income really depends on whether or not they get rain. And recently, you know, it's been a real struggle for them. And I've heard lots of stories of people waiting for months and weeks, having having to go through all this stress 
working out, you know, where their next bout of rain is going to come so that they can get money to um, keep their farm going. And, um, you know, that, that puts a lot of mental stress on them. That's, I think that's probably the biggest impact at the moment is, is the effect of mental health. And especially when you have these communities that have less access to healthcare at their doorstep, it just really exacerbates it so much more. Obviously, the bushfires were so widespread and, you know, everyone will remember back in Melbourne how we had such foggy days, smoky days where, you know, even me, myself, I don't have any pre-existing respiratory conditions, but I'd go out for 10 minutes and I'd start coughing. And you can imagine, like, we were thousands of kilometres, like hundreds of kilometres away, sorry. And, you know, these communities are right in the thick of it. And there were lots of presentations of people experiencing respiratory distress, especially people with pre-existing respiratory conditions, really struggling to just go about their day-to-day, you know, like not being able to leave the house to get their normal supplies, really struggling with the breathing, really struggling to be able to get medical access because they can't breathe outside. Yeah, it's definitely an issue here and um, especially like in general, the regional areas of Victoria do is where our elderly population tend to settle for the, for the remainder of their time. And, you know, they're, they are in, they're, they're going to be more vulnerable to these kinds of, these kinds of um, environmental issues. I guess obviously there are many challenges we need to make as many changes, sorry, we need to make as a society to combat this monster of climate change. But what are the most effective things we can do now as a society that will actually make a difference in terms of climate related consequences to our health? So I think there are quite a few things. I think the first thing that it took me a while to get my head around, but is really thinking carefully about how we participate in politics or how we sway politics. And I'm by no means like I don't know that much about politics, but even when it comes to sitting down and it's voting time, really thinking carefully about what policies certain your local MPs or certain parties have looking to vote below the line, which, which sounds like a really time consuming thing, but I think, it means that your vote goes a lot further than just ticking above the box. So I think it's taking the time to do the research and going, okay, what values matter to me and what's going to support a sustainable future? Because the reality is we can stomp our feet and try and make grassroots changes, which is definitely still encouraged. But if we don't have the support from the top down, it just isn't going to work very well. So yeah, I think that's the first thing even attached to that sort of advocating with your local MPs about what you can see in your, um, your local communities, you know, like, especially as medical students, we, we talk to the most vulnerable patients in hospitals who are on the ground and can tell us what, what they need. And I think it goes a long way to, especially as medical students, we have such a privilege of people trusting, trusting their, their most vulnerable aspects of themselves with us and we have a duty to kind of use that to better to better the community and you know I know that MPs are very like responsive to 
students writing in letters and, and even organising a phone call or, or a chat to talk about what you think is important can go a long way. But I think most importantly, it really starts at home, you know, with ourselves um, and the choices that we make every day. And uh, it's definitely something that I've been trying to do a lot of over the last few years. So something even like growing food at your own home, whether you live in a big, at a big property or an apartment, growing a few herbs, bits and pieces that you can pick at at dinner time. It reduces the amount of food mileage that goes in into vegetables that might be not in season and have been shipped off from overseas. That reduces carbon emissions in itself. Even reducing food waste, composting. Oh my God, food waste, food waste causes so much carbon emissions when it's put into our normal bins but when we compost it that reduces a significant amount and you'd be surprised when you do a little bin survey a lot of that is food and stuff that can be composted and just other things here and there that are super easy to do if you know who to ask and where to look so divesting your money away from companies that invest in fossil fuels so recently I divested my superannuation to one that didn't invest in fossil fuels and supported more sustainable practices and also banks doing the same sort of thing. So there are lots of things you can do as an individual. The decision that I made was actually sticking with my super and you can actually choose, most supers now will have an eco option that you can opt for. And funnily enough, like the way that that super companies default you is they just put you in like the most like generic bracket and you know, you're paying for all this stuff that you don't need to. But if you actually click into it, it's so easy to just switch over to that eco side. So I reckon anyone that's thinking about it, log in and just have a play around um, and you'll be able to find something that works for you. But yeah, most supers will have an eco option. The way we end all of our podcast episodes is with a bit of an ethical dilemma, which is sort of just would love to sort of um, hear your thinking and thinking through um, what you're considering when you're hearing this. So the situation here is that there is a current belief in your community that climate change is fake news, which was created to scare you. As a result, doctors who rally for improved climate change actions are losing their jobs. What do you do? Okay. (laughs) This is such a like tricky scenario. I think the way in my day-to-day life that I approach people who are sceptics is to approach with um, an open mind because I think a lot of the time scepticism comes from a place of fear sometimes and it does nothing for you to point a finger and go, that's completely wrong, you should leave, whatever. So I guess my first approach would be creating a public forum to understand what people's concerns are. Is it a genuine fear that um, they think something's going to happen? Is it some kind of misconception that's been spread throughout the community that we can work to work through and explain? I think once you can show that you are yourself open to listening to people's concerns, then they too may be more open to reconsidering what their view is on these things. And of course, like, you know, it helps when you've got professionals in the field who can back it up with science or um, what have you. But yeah, it's, it is difficult if you are the minority and everyone is the majority. Yeah, that would be my approach. Definitely just open mind. 
Super grateful to see Hannah's climate passion shined through always. Hope you guys enjoyed hearing about some of these global health topics and look forward to some more niche ideas to come. See you on the next episode.